um, I told Shauna after last Sunday, I was like, I'm getting up next Sunday. <laughs> um, because I want, I want to bring some, we had some really great conversation and um, over the last three years, we've been talking about get ready, get ready, get ready. And um, I know for the senior leadership, we spent a lot of time in response at the altar, um, really uh, being challenged by the Lord to go into deeper places. And, and for some of us, it's the deeper places are uh, the joy of our salvation, getting back to that place of, of passion and devotion and love. Uh, where we started, because many of us started, I know Sean and I, we started uh, in revival. We started, we started out in ministry in a church that literally had an encounter with the Lord for five years. We had a tangible presence of the Lord that was manifest in every service. Our services were like five hours long. Um, and it was, it was an, amazing, an amazing, amazing experience. And so we've been challenged because as we're looking and calling people into that devotion and love, we're looking at our own hearts and lives and saying, are we there now? You know, have we somehow, as, as life has gone on, you drift away from some of those places of those, uh, the joy of our salvation, that beauty when you step into that place in Christ and you step out of the natural and into the supernatural and you find yourself satisfied in him where the, your very soul, there's nothing else that you want, that you've made a decision for him. You've made a decision to die to yourself and to let him live in you at any cost. And that was the, that was the beginning of our, our ministry experience at, at 18, 19, 20 years old of giving our lives away, of laying down and saying, it's no longer my life, but Jesus who's living inside of me. And so this is what we've been calling everyone into over the last three years is this place. And I, I want to start, um, so the title of this message will be Welcome to the Mission Center, okay? Um, and I'm starting in Matthew 28. And this is the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to, to me in heaven and on earth. Go, th go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. And so th these are the last words that Jesus has given a mission, a, a commission. He's, he's saying, join my mission. I want you to go and actively make disciples to give your lives away because all authority has been given to me. And so He's now, there's, there's this transfer of authority that's happening, right? This is right before, um, or no, this is right after, sorry. I'm like getting myself messed up. Um, let's turn to Acts. So this is Acts 1, and here again, this is Jesus. And it says, Acts 1.8, and it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And so this is Jesus, again, laying the foundation of saying that authority has been given to me and, and power is going to come upon you, and you've been invited into the mission in the earth. There's an invitation that he's given us that we've, when we step out of ourselves, we step into his power. And we begin to walk in this place of power and authority. 
what that looks like. So when we've been calling people, I know there's been, we've done messages on um, faith and works. Um, and the essence of everything that we've been saying has been calling a people to lay down their lives for Jesus. But when we say that, uh, one of the things that I want to bring up, because there's been lots of conversation over it, is it is not the leadership saying, do more, do more, volunteer more, volunteer more, volunteer more. Because being a Christian is not about volunteering for anything. It's about giving your life away. It's about being invited into a mission. And so even when we look at this body, this whole work here in this region, right? The Crossing Life Church, this whole piece of land, Dreamers Ranch and everything, this is a mission center. This is not, we look at it as a church in our Western minds and we equate church to a place that we come and gather on Sundays to corporately worship and to get fed, right? Um, but that is not what this is. This is, this is a, a, a network hub of, of network churches. The, 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 the life groups and life churches, they come together on a Sunday and we participate in mission. And everything that we do here is it's a, it's a place of mission. And what that looks like is there is an essence when we have gotten, when we've accepted Jesus into us, we, re we received power from on high to live differently. We've stepped into a place of grace. And when we're doing mission for God, there's two things that he'll offer you. He'll either offer you help or grace on your mission. When he calls you to do something that's hard, he's either gonna provide help for you or he's gonna provide grace for you to do that. But there is a posture of heart that we have to walk into this salvation and begin to receive the power that's on high. Now let's go to Acts 2. I want you to look at this. And this is important to look at because this, I want you to look at what a post-resurrection church looks like. Okay, the disciples spent much time with Jesus. They hung out with him. They did great things. And then all of a sudden he said, listen, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna send my spirit and you're gonna receive the spirit of God. It's gonna, he's gonna live inside of you. This is a remarkable thing because they knew him as a friend, but now he was gonna live inside of them. And so what happens is Jesus goes to the cross. He's raised from the dead. And then his disciples wait for him and they meet him in the upper room and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire and power. And this is the birth of what they call the church in the earth today. This is the birth of the church. God himself comes and lives inside of us. There is a power that we are given. And when we receive by faith what Jesus did on the cross, we walk into this place of strength and power. It is a place of freedom. It is a place of liberty. It's a place where your soul is satisfied. You don't necessarily need anything except God. He wants us to participate in community and his body because that is how the earth sees him. It's, they'll know us by our love for one another. It is the ability for people, broken humanity, to come together as one body with one heart and one mind and do one mission in the earth that testifies of the greatness of a living God that can bring humanity into oneness. 
but our satisfaction comes from him. It's not, um, I want you to understand that that Jesus is your satisfaction. He's everything to you. Are you willing to give everything to him? Have you made the decision in your life to let him live in you? And when we've made that decision, then there is no cost too high. There's There's no mission that's too great for us to give our lives to when Jesus is in it, right? We can go and we can do things beyond. There's a great preacher that um, probably back in the 60s or 70s that was around, and one of, in one of their sermons, they said, I've been preaching for five hours, but I look like, I've, like I just got up from a five-hour nap, and they said, that's because it's not me who's been doing it. It was the Holy Spirit in me. And that I, they said, I've made a decision. I died and I've allowed Christ to live in me. And so the reason I'm saying this is because this is the essence of what we live out of, that we're not taxed and saying that people want more. They want more of my life. I'm too busy. Uh, we live in a place of lack instead of as sons and daughters of the living king who has been endowed with a presence from on high that has given us all things that we need for life and godliness. There's nothing that we lack in him. Do you want to be free? God's hand is not short to set you free. The question is, is do you really want it? Do you really want it? Do we really want the life that Jesus has for us? Because if we do, then all it is, is you having to die to yourself. That's, that's it. If we die to ourselves, we, be, we step into a life in him that is bigger and greater and more fulfilling than we could ever desire or want. That it, it satisfies to the deep, deep places. Have you ever felt lonely or longing? Jesus is the answer for that place. Jesus and him alone and his ways are the answers. The way that he lives his life is the answer. When hard things come into our life, we begin to act like him. We begin to serve out of that place. We begin to submit. We begin to yield our lives, our will, our selfish desires, and we allow, we imitate God. And we allow him to be real. And in those hard places, we find that when we do that, when we operate out of an opposite spirit, a grace from heaven, a power from heaven that is so miraculous and so satisfying. I, I don't know how to describe it because when you've tasted it, it's worth everything. It's, it's, it tastes amazing. It's beautiful when, when you've met it, when you've died to yourself and you've allowed, you've been in hard places and you've chosen. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm going to love this person because I'm going to treat this person with honor, even though they're treating me with dishonor. Those are the hard places, but when we do that, all of a sudden the resurrection power of the living king begins to thrive and thump in our hearts and we live in a power that is greater and we become a demonstration of the very life of Jesus in the earth. We become the lights that shine so brightly. And that is the mission that Jesus called us to. He called us to be, to make disciples, to make people that look like him, that act like him. And so it's this place that we're, we've been calling people to. 
So I want you to look in Acts 2, remembering this is, this is the post-resurrection church and this is what they look like. And it said they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which is what is the apostles' teaching? First principles. And to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Amazing, right? Sounds like the Crossing Life Church. <laughs> um, and then let's go down to um, 46, and it says, and day by day continuing with one mind, one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And so this is right after 3,000 was just added to the church. And so you see... The post-resurrection church had this celebration of life that was in them, right? There was, there was this, they were, they were going to the temple. They were going house to house. They were breaking bread. And so they were busy about the father's business, but they weren't operating out of a place of lack. How do I do it? How do I find more time in my day? How do I do everything that the church is asking me to do? That is a place of lack. We're not asking people to do anything. We're asking for you to allow Jesus to come and be everything. And it's in that place that you will see the essence of Christ in you. Yes, you will see people serving and giving their lives away more. But that's not an ask. It's not a demand. And that's what we like to create. Like, well, what exactly are you asking? Well, I'm not exactly asking anything because that would be asking you to do something for me. I'm asking you to find your life in him. The result of that place will look like service. It will look like giving our lives away in inconvenience. We read these off at the encounters, right? Um, discomfort, inconvenience, all of those things. We, we're willing to lay our lives down. We're willing to come into a place where it's not all about us anymore. It's about other things. But in that place of service, it's the essence of Christ in that. And so when we're serving, I'll give you some practical examples, like say, for instance, the deacon team. I was talking to the deacon team, and, and sometimes it's like, well, we don't have enough people. How do we get people to volunteer? How do we get people to come and serve? And one of the first things that I said for this year, I said, we want this year to be about mission. We're going to talk about mission because God has called us together on a mission for him. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to repent for our language and our perspective of looking in the place of lack. And what happens then is all of a sudden we repent for complaining. We, com we repent for for judging everybody because, man, if they would only like get their acts together, they would serve more. They would, whatever it is. And, and you know what? I can join myself in on this, okay? Like, I, I mean, we all get off the trolley and that's where God's been saying, you know, are you going to operate in a supernatural lifestyle or not? Because the way we see supernatural is that we repent. We begin to align our words with the words of heaven. We begin to recognize the greatness of God in our midst. And we say, God, you've called us to this mission. You've called us to this work. Provide for it, Father. And all of a sudden, the faith of heaven starts forming in your heart and you start pulling on heaven for resource and provision. And guess what God provides? Help or grace. He all of a sudden pours out help or grace. I'll tell you, when we started the farm, 
there were many times that we needed men. There's some things on the farm that you need a man for. Like we can as women do a lot, but sometimes you need the strength for just different things, pounding in a post, some really, some really hard stuff. And there were days that we would get here and we would think we don't have anybody. What are we gonna do? And we would begin to pray. And wouldn't you know, Jared Williams would fly into town that day. I can't tell you how many times this happened. And it wasn't always Jared, it was other people. It was Rob Ballou, it was different people, it was Jenna. There were different people that would show up at the right time, just when we needed them. And that is because our, our hearts were filled with faith in that time. And, and then what happens? All of a sudden life goes on, things get normal, things get hard, and then you get off the trolley and you start complaining, where are all the people that are supposed to be helping me? Um, and we lose sight of the supernatural. We lose sight of being that person that the greatness of God lives in. And we're like, all of our resource comes from heaven. And you begin to pull on heaven with faith. And all of a sudden, what happens? Miracles, right? Supernatural signs and wonders begin to happen in our midst because we've become a supernatural people, a saved people walking in intimate relationship with Jesus, living on this great mission with him. And then we can celebrate like the post-resurrection church in gladness of heart, in joyful union with one another, breaking bread in happiness, not idolizing community because we're getting something out of it. We're no longer consumers. We've become servants. And this is why the Apostle Paul starts so many of his... Um, his letters to us, he says, Paul, a bondservant of the Lord. Paul, a slave of the Lord, right? He, he has, he's given his life away to something that's greater. And as sons, we're no longer consumers, we're servants. And our whole life is oriented around serving the pleasure of the king. And what is his pleasure? To make disciples in the earth to let his glory be seen, to let us shine and let our lights shine among men so they can see the beauty and the love of the Lord that's between us. And this is why when we do things here, like when we have our two festivals that we do, those are not programs that we do in the church. Those are mission outreaches that we come together and then we invite the region in to be able to have a glimpse into the beauty of the family of God and what it looks like but we need to change our mindsets and recognize because if we were getting ready for a mission trip, right? We would clear our schedules. We would start doing all of our preparations. We'd get our passports ready, right? We'd do all of these things. But somehow when it becomes like a, a, a life local calling, it becomes, oh, it's a program that we have to do. It's not, it's an outreach, it's, it's the mission, it's the, the great commission of making disciples. Pastoral care, evangelism, being a greeter. When people are, are even a parking lot attendant, right? People are coming in. You look at them and you say, you're seen. God sees you, I see you. You're operating in missions, pastoral care, evangelism to every person that drives into this parking lot. You're looking at them and you're seeing you are seen and you are welcome here. The greeters at the door, the same thing, right? People are coming in and you're saying you're seen, you're valuable, you're welcome here. 
We're on mission together. We're drawing people into this place of the beauty of the life of Christ, post-resurrection Christianity, where Jesus has sent his spirit to come and live inside of us. And everything that we do has life pumping out of it. It's that, that essence of heaven, right? It's not, we're not doing dead works and religion. It's something that's alive. People are around you and they're like, what is on you? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the living God. Post-resurrection Christianity, Jesus is alive and well and he lives in his church and he's called his church to serve and give their lives away, to lay their life down that he could live through them. Amen. And that when he lives through us, you guys, he can do greater. That's why that preacher that said, I've been up here preaching five hours. They preached for five hours because Jesus was doing it through them. All they did was die to themselves. They made, they paid the price. And that's what God is asking us today. Are we willing to come and be saved? Are we willing? When, when we say that, it's not that Jesus is going to come and do something for you. He's going to come and he's going to save you, but it's not to make you happy. It's not to make you feel good. It's not because you're so wonderful. And if it was just you, he would have died for you. All of that, he loves you, but the world does not revolve around us. We get to come and participate in salvation. We get to enter into this place of relationship with him. You know, we're not sitting here and calling God to us, come save me. We're coming and we're submitting and subordinating our thoughts, our ideas, everything to him and saying, God, come cleanse me because I am desperate for a savior. There is nothing in me that is clean. And I, you are my only hope. You are my only help. You are my only rescue. And I'm coming because I am desperate for a savior. And I want to receive what you did for me on the cross. And that divine exchange, we step into that place of supernatural. But then we have to live in that. And that's what I'm saying. When I'm talking about our mouths, we have to align our speech to that. We have to align our thoughts to that. And like I told you, I know when I'm preaching to myself, right? Because you, as a leader, you get, you're like, oh my gosh, all people do is gripe and complain. Okay, I have said that. I've said that many times to people, right? I'm being challenged. That's what I'm saying is God is calling us to a higher place of maturity. He's calling us not to be children tossed to and fro, but walking in the greatness of God. Let's go to Ephesians. Sean preached out of Ephesians this last week. And I want to kind of go back over some of his overview, but I want you to, I want to read some of the things that Paul said um, in Ephesians 1. One starting in verse four, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. 
And then I want to move ahead to it says, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what Apostle Paul prayed. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above. Now, this is the same thing Jesus said, he's given me all authority. And here again, Paul's saying far above all rule, authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him a, as head over all things to the church, which is his body in the fullness of him. This is the power that we've entered into. And that's why I'm reading this is because I want you to understand the greatness of his power, the greatness of his might that he's bestowed on you as sons and daughters. There's an invitation that he's brought us into something that is so powerful and so great. And as the church, we sometimes sit in our chairs as orphans saying, I don't have enough. I don't feel loved. I feel lonely. And Jesus is saying, come to me. There's a greatness in my power that will fill all things in you. There's no one else that can do that. There's not a church. There's not a person. It's him alone that is our salvation. And it is this greatness, this power that, is, is, that literally raises people from the dead. He's coming back to raise all of us from the dead. But that same power lives in us now. It's might and power. We're not old we're just becoming like Christ. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to say we're old and tired. No, we're pulling on the greatness of God, the might of the resurrection power and life of Christ. And this is what we serve out of. This is what we give our lives away out of, is being filled with all fullness of him. God himself living inside of us. The energy of heaven right? I mean, just saying that, right? When we begin to change our minds, all of a sudden, as I'm sitting here saying this, you start thinking, you're like, yeah, yeah. Like God is great. He is enough. He is able to change my situation. He is able to take something that's impossible and make it possible because he says, I'm the God of the impossible. If you'll only believe all things can happen through him, right? I'm saying he's the miracle maker. He's the one that does wonders among us. The Bible says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. His wonderful works. He's a wonder working God. He wants to be a wonder working God in your life. He wants you to step into the salvation of grace and begin to taste the grace of heaven the beauty and power of him. And out of that place, we lay our lives down and we die and we're filled with him and we begin to serve the world around us, giving our lives away, poured out like Jesus himself. Poured out, never complaining, poured out. Poured out because he's enough. He's enough listening to the drumbeat of heaven. 
walking into those hard places, living right, at, right in that place, right outside of our own control, right? Because if we can manage everything, then we're in control. But if we'll say, God, I'm gonna just dare to step into that place where I'm out of control. And I'm gonna trust that you are able to do amazing things in our midst. And when we step into that place, all of a sudden we enter into a supernatural kingdom. We enter a place that we no longer exist within this natural realm. We're in the place where miracles happen. We're in the place where all of a sudden the living, powerful, mighty God that made a way through us by his own son he sent to die for us. All of a sudden, we're living in his resurrected power, just like the first church, post-resurrection Christianity. Power, greatness, strength, strength in our minds, strength in our hearts, healing in our bodies. The greatness of heaven all of a sudden in our midst. Can you imagine the lack the world had had and all of a sudden this burst of life of Christ all of a sudden is on the scene living in people? Can you imagine? That is what we've been invited into. That is the Christianity that you have been invited into. That's the invitation is to come and give your life to Christ that you no longer live, but he lives in you. The life that you now live, you live by faith in the son of God. That is the Christianity that he's calling us to. And that when we're talking about coming and giving your life away, that's what we're talking about. And will it look in terms of an uptick of service? Yes, it will. But it's not because people are asking and people are lining people up. It's because all of a sudden we've come engaged with heaven. And that's what heaven does, is it makes us into servants. It makes us into slaves and happy slaves at that. Paul was so willing to give his life away. He says in Philippians, he starts, he has this conversation, shall I, shall I go? Or, well, it's better if I stay here because it's better for you, but, but I'd like to go. I'd like to die. I read in a, a, a testimony to the interns from Ignatius and he was being called to Rome and he was going to be fed to the lions and the church starts trying to, to fight for him legally to, to not go into the Colosseum. And he said, listen, stop. He's like, I don't want you praying for that. We, God's got that taken care of. He said, what I want you to pray is that when I'm thrown in, that my life will go quickly. He said, because God, he said, it's my privilege to lay my life down for my savior. Okay, that is the life that he wants us to live. That is not a story from the past and from ancient times. That is what post-resurrection Christianity looks like today. And that's what's gonna set us apart from every other place is when we begin to live in this reality that our lives are not our own, that we've come together in unity of heart and mind to do something great for Jesus in the earth today together. Amen. That's a, that's a, that's a, a tall task for hu humanity, for humanism. That's a tall task for our minds. But in him, our minds can be renewed.
In him, we can begin to think like heaven. In him, we're changed into his image, a people willing to be poured out as an offering, a people willing to forgive those around us, to walk in relationship with the family. That's why when Paul starts talking about household order, all of, all of the... Um, that is the grooming of our flesh. When we can love those closest to us and forgive, right? When those closest to us hurt us, honor, respect, do all of those things that are really hard to do when people are in your business, in your heart, touching your triggers from your own brokenness or whatever, right? You know, people are right there in your grill. And in that, you say, my life is not my own. I was bought with a price, and I'm choosing to lay my life down and love you. And I choose to respect you regardless of how you're treating me today. And it's in the household that that happens. It's in your personal home, and it's in the household of faith that that happens. And that's when we start glowing like Jesus. I can tell you that when that starts happening, that's when the power of God starts shining through us. And he says, let your light so shine before men. And it's you laying your life down. I'm not my own, Jesus. Come on, spend me, spend me, come. Be, let the Holy Spirit overtake me and let me love like you. When people are rejecting me, let me love like you. When my husband's saying unkind things to me, let me honor and love like you. Those are the places, that is what Christianity looks like. That is authentic power of God, resurrection power that lives inside of us. And so that is when we're calling, when he's calling us to the mission field of the Crossing Life community, it's with that beauty and strength that he's calling us to come and together as a family give our lives away to this region. <coughs> to be the brightest light. To let our love and the bonds of peace from the spirit of God come and bind us together through his spirit. That we're a family because of him, not because I like you, not because I look like you, I sound like you, but because we have been brought together through his blood and every wall of partition has been broken down by his own body. And he's caused the ability for us to come together and to be a bride together, moving in unity of heart and mind. And that is throughout the entire New Testament, that is one, that's the key phrase. They were in unity of heart and mind. That's a huge, huge thing to remember. That was what early post-resurrection Christianity looked like. It looked like there was a unity of the spirit. Everybody didn't have their own way. They were coming together on a mission Okay, I'm getting ready to end this, but I want to read a couple more of the scriptures. Um, going forward, uh, okay, let me just reread this. This is so good. Okay, this is Ephesians uh, 1, 22, and it says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. 
Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, plural, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us, plural, alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us, us, plural, up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not a result of works that one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So it's not by your works that you're saved, it's through faith, but you're saved unto good works. You're saved to be poured out as an offering to humanity in this day and hour, to let your life be an example to those around you. We've been called to something so great, so great. And then uh, if we move ahead, this is for, it says, this is talking about the unity of the spirit. And again, it starts, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ. And then it says, then he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. And it says, for the equipping, listen to this, the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So there is this place that you are built up to pour out. There is this place and God is asking you today, are you ready what is your decision? Are you ready to be filled with him? Because it's gonna be the greatest slavery you've ever experienced in your life. It's, it's the most beautiful, beautiful servitude because we walk into it and give our lives away and he comes and fills all things in us. And there's no longer longing and hurt and lack. There's fullness of Christ the resurrection power redeeming every broken part, everything that the enemy has come to destroy in your life, the power of God comes in with resurrection power and he breathes life into your heart. And he says, today is a new day of my strength and my power and my love and my grace in your life. Come and walk in newness. Walk as a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things being passed away no longer taunting you, no longer having power to torment you. But the beauty of Christ has come in and had victory and authority over all things, dominion in your heart and thought and mind and over your emotions. That's what we were singing about this morning, that he's overcome and he's calling you into the same greatness. This is the power of salvation. This is what we receive when we give our lives away to him. He gives back to us himself. And in that, there's the fullness of all things. Do you want it? 
do you wanna be free? Do you wanna participate in this great mission and calling that Jesus has called us into today? This is the invitation that we have asked as leaders of the Crossing Life Church for three years. This is the invitation that we're calling out to you and saying, come and participate in the mission and calling of the church of the living God in the earth today. Do you want to share anything? No? Okay. We're going to take some time um, and let the Spirit begin to minister to us because this is... Um, It's, it's a decision to die to ourselves. Um, that we need to make. That we don't have partial, partial participation in salvation. But that we come and we have a divine exchange of all myself and my brokenness and my lack and inability to live godly. And we exchange that at the cross for his power. And he, it says that the Bible says that, that he clothes us in holiness and righteousness. We put on his righteousness. We take off our own filthiness and rags and orphanhood and inability to live holy. And all of a sudden we, we're clothed in him. And that is, that is the exchange that he's asking of us again today anew to come back to the joy of our salvation to remember to remember it was 42 years ago for me and he's saying Stephanie remember remember my greatness remember what I did when I set you free and I became a father to you when you were fatherless and I touched you in the deepest places of your heart. Remember, remember who I am. All the fullness. I lived an amazing life in Jesus. When I was 20 and 30, we've done some amazing things. And it wasn't because I was qualified or that I came from some stable life. I didn't. It was because I was clothed in Him. I spent time with the Father. I would go out on dates with Him. I had intimate time with Jesus all the time. And in that, all of a sudden, I became clothed in His righteousness. I found myself doing crazy, crazy things. I was out on the streets preaching Jesus. I was in an armed robbery. I preached Jesus. I did awesome stuff. And he's saying, remember me. Come back to the joy of your salvation. Lay your life down again. Receive the power of my grace in this hour. He wants the church in this hour to come and, and get re-saved so that we can walk in his power in this hour and, and, and exemplify the answer to humanity. My goodness, does America need an answer today? They need somebody that has hope in their life, that can say there's something greater. There is a power that is greater than us, that's living in us, that we can trust in no matter what happens. He's there when everything's falling apart. He's there in the midst. 
the grace, the resurrection power of the living God, right? Come on, thriving in us, moving in and out, stabilizing our hearts. There is no fear in Him. There's no fear in Him. We don't have to worry about our country going to hell. There's no fear in Jesus. He's the author and finisher. He's the author and finisher of everything. And He's my Savior, and He wants to be yours today. So let's come to the altar. Let's spend time with Him this morning. And let's just worship Him. Let's worship Him at the altar.